Red Sox. 93.7 WEIFM and HD1. Lawrence, Boston. Brought to you by DuckDuckGo. Search and browse more privately. Download the free DuckDuckGo app today. We're always live on the free Odyssey app. It's KJ Carson on WEEI. WEEI. A couple years ago, you didn't regret turning down like the $300 million deal. Mm-hmm. You said that they never did offer $300 million. Mm-hmm. What, what is the, the actual effects? I'll let, uh, I'll let Hyam and those guys explain that, um, or John Henry, whoever. I'll let them explain that. Huh? Yeah, there's – I'll let them explain it. If they ever want to explain it, I'll let them explain it. Um, they don't have to – you know, people – we're not even there, so it doesn't even really matter. You know, we're, we're in L.A., and so uh, those things, they're in the past, and uh, probably just need to go ahead and leave it alone. But uh, if someone was to explain it, I would let him do it. Well. Welcome home, Mookie Betts. KJ, along with John Lyons, WEEI, 617-779-7937, text line 37937. Good Saturday afternoon to you, leading up to the pregame for the Red Sox for game two against the Dodgers. John, how did you feel seeing Mookie step to the plate for the first time in a few years? Oh, KJ, it was just devastating for me to watch that happen in person. And I actually had the privilege a couple weeks ago, I went out to San Diego and I saw a Padres versus Dodgers game. Because, of course, KJ, I wanted to see a bunch of great Red Sox players, so I had to go to San Diego (laughs) to see Padres-Dodgers. So I got to see Mookie play in person. That was the first time I had seen him play in person since he had been traded from the Red Sox. Of course, I did see him play in the World Series in 2020 on TV and win it. But for me, last night was just really sad. Because I think back to KJ... Mookie's the biggest piece of it, but it goes beyond him. Because you think about a team in 2018, won 108 games, one of the best teams ever, and they win a World Series. And let's look at the core that they had just in the field. You had Mookie, Benatendi, Bogarts, Vasquez, all these guys, Devers, you have one left. And that, to me, it was a a Mookie thing for me last night, but then it also kind of took me back to, wow, they had this great core, and you got one guy left. So here's what you just said, John. Mookie Betts is still good and watchable. Yes. So here's here here here's the thing. When Mookie said, I'll let Haim or John Henry answer the questions of what didn't happen, it's the difference between being the player and the face. Now, you can be a player all you want, but when you become the face, that's when things can get a little weird. So if you look at Yaz, he's from New York. You look at, uh, gosh, Matt Siegel is from New York. A lot of star players in Boston are from other places. And what usually they end up having to do is answer questions about Boston to people who are not in Boston. And Mookie Betts was one of those guys who said to himself, because you can tell, I want to be in a place so that way I can give positive answers from my perspective to those who ask. This isn't about the people of Boston. This is about the economics of Boston, okay? So if Mookie Betts is the face of the Boston Red Sox, that may not play for some people, and that may be why you don't necessarily want to delve out hundreds of millions of dollars. Because remember the narrative when when Mookie was uh, looking at the money. Ah, he's worth, that's too much. There's no way I would pay him that much. Really? You don't physically pay him, and look what he's doing now. Bets at Vegas have him at number two to win the NL 
Cy Young, uh, the NL MVP. Now, he's not going to win if Acuna's just had an incredible season, but if Acuna didn't still 50,000 bases, Mookie Betts is your odds-on favorite as the MVP after the trade. Tell me when Verdugo didn't hit that home run, it was very similar to like, you know, if you made an error in Little League and you got up the next inning to rectify it, you can almost feel that Verdugo's home run last night was kind of like all this talk about I'm the face of that trade and I've got to do something and I've done it. It was, it was more than just a home run. It was the home run about all the conversation. Mookie was willing to be one of the faces of this city and of this area, and it didn't happen, and it hurt. Yeah, and KJ, for two years, in my opinion, 2018 and 19, Mookie really was the face of the Red Sox. And I know he had made a couple All-Star games before then, but those two years to me, his age 25 and 26 seasons, his last two, he became the face of the Red Sox. And if we look back on that, he won the MVP in 2018. He was a gold glover that year and a silver slugger. And then in 2019, he finished top 10 in MVP voting again, another gold glove and another silver slugger. So him as the face of the Red Sox, was working out terrific. I mean, you had won a World Series. He was one of the most dominant players in baseball. And by the way, then the year after you trade him, he hits, what, 296 in the playoffs in 2020 to help the Dodgers win a World Series there. So, like, it was what you, you talk about him being willing to be the face. And I agree with you. And I think it was even beyond him willing. I think it got to a point where he was and it was working. And that's the thing, too, that makes it, you know, really unfortunate. Like I said, it's that whole core. Like Bogarts, Devers, Betts, Benatendi, and then if you want to even extend it, Avaldi, guys like that. We have one of Vasquez, those guys. Yes, we have one of those guys left. And look, Devers, great hitter, and I think he's going to end up having a great career, at least at the plate. He is a liability in the field right now, but he's seems like a good teammate and a good guy to have on your team. But when you have one of those guys left in a market this big, that to me. Like I was sad to see Mookie last night in another uniform, but I was also sad to think about all the infrastructure around him that's no longer here. Which, by the way, it's not like that 2018 team was filled with a bunch of guys in their last, you know, go at it or the end of the road. I mean, those are guys in their 20s, in their prime, and they're still some of them at least in their prime. Of all these, a Cy Young candidate this year when he's been healthy, and they're not here anymore. Well, here's the other part of it, is Mookie Betts has a traveling documentary crew with him. And Mookie talks about the reverence that he has for Jackie Robinson. Watch how this ties together. Last team to integrate Major League Baseball? The Red Sox. Boston Red Sox. Was it with like a Larry Doby type or Jackie Robinson type? No, it was Pumpsy Green, probably a utility fielder at best. Yeah, and, and also, KJ, not to cut you off, but the Red Sox had workouts with Jackie Robinson and Willie Mays and turned both of them down. So right. Imagine but, those two guys with Ted Williams. Well, uh, but, but but it, it really does come down to who you choose, right? And if if really your history says Pumpsy Green, George Scott for a little bit, Jim Rice, and I would even challenge some just rhetorically, where is Jim Rice's field located, right? Like, if you don't know that, and, and in fairness to Rice, there were a lot of great black baseball players that Major League Baseball were pushing that were a little bit older than Jackson, Winfield, some of those guys that were getting more push. He, he should have gotten a bigger push by the league as one of its superstars. It didn't happen. But Mookie Betts was 1 or 1A to Mike Trout. Now, when Otani comes, maybe you say, okay, Mookie's in that top three, but he's in the conversation and he's the face and he's part of the marketing aspect that goes on. And it also would put a B on a stamp of it. And by that not happening, and then him going to the Dodgers, 
there's a perspective that he may have that almost kind of like, gosh, did I just get pumpsy greened by the Red Sox? 617-779-7937, text line 37937. KJ in with John Lyons. Let's go to Wally in Fall River. Wally, thanks for the call. Yeah, what's up, guys? You can go back and forth. You can talk about Mookie, why he didn't why he didn't stay, why he did it. But uh, as far as the Red Sox, their, their mindset with Mookie, which is a pipsqueak, he's going to get hurt a lot. But you look at these other guys, the Yankees with Stanton, Judge, all these other guys. These these players can't stay healthy. I mean, if you're a, you know if you're a big guy, you're more prone to injuries. But I I, I don't really know. But like I said, Mookie Mookie was a generational player. They just weren't going to pay him. The Red Sox aren't an organization like the Dodgers or the Braves who think ahead. They tie up these young guys early. They make shrewd trades. Uh, you look at Atlanta. They got Sean Murphy from Oakland. They got also they tied them up right away. I mean. Uh, I know we got Rappy, but uh, even as far as Bogey goes, he's not with 12, 12 years. The same way with Trey Turner. These guys, they're not going to somehow that one time during their career, they're going to break down like what happened with Otani now. Wally, thanks for the call. Yeah, John, to go to his point, right? If you keep Mookie Betts, your core is probably, you probably still get rid of Bogarts, right? It's probably Betts, Devers, and let's say you go and get Yoshida, and then you make a play for Otani. You're now talking about, and, and I've never bought this theory that, hey, the Braves have more context to the history of baseball. No, the Braves are in their second city, right? So, no, the Red Sox are one of the pillars of Major League Baseball. There's no ifs, ands, and buts about it. And if the Red Sox are not committing to superstar players, because, again, where we saw Mookie Betts last night in the center of the changing portion of the game. Here's what's crazier, John. Mookie starts at second. Like, you don't think Mookie couldn't be playing second right now, working on getting Otani and right for next year? You could make that move. But then Mookie moves to right and makes the pivotal play of the game. Mookie Betts would be the your best fielder in any position right now. <laughs> in any position and, on the field. And I think Wally brought up a great point about Mookie's size and the injury concerns. And I'm not saying I agree with that point, but he brought it up and that a lot of people felt that way at the time. And we heard whispers about that around the team and a lot of the defenders of the trade said, oh, a guy who's 5'9", 180, a 12-year deal, he's going to break down. And who knows, right? When he's 38, 39, maybe he will break down. But if you look at the way that contract is structured, he makes 30 million bucks for, like, I think four years in a row. And then that last year, it actually goes down. He's only making 20 million this year. I mean, he's really, I know 365 is a big number, but spread out over 12, it's pretty affordable. But KJ... I mean, his last few years in Boston in 2016, played 158 games, 2017, 153. Then he was down to 136 in 2018, but back up to 150 in 2019. I mean, I know he was a smaller size guy, but he was really durable. In his first year with the Dodgers, he played what? There was a 60-game COVID season. He played 55 games. He's already at 121 for this year. So I think I, I that was something we heard a lot of, right? Oh, he's the money, and maybe he's going to break down. I mean, he's been. It's because you, because I think there's just an uncomfortableness of potentially being the long term face of the Red Sox. I mean, my whole thing is whoever's rolling the dice game on this thing needs to get out of the alley, right? Because this guy came in last night and was the pivotal portion of the game. And you say, well, now nah, this guy was his diminishing. He's leading off. You could say, okay, look at Mookie's now a, a, a seven spot hitter, struggling at 250 area. The pop isn't there anymore. The speed, that's not what we're talking about. Literally, the Sox have not had a second baseman since who? 
And in right field, you might trade him. And yeah, I mean, Ian, Ian Kinsler in 2018 when they <laughs> traded for him. That's what I was, And the thing, too, about like Mookie and this deal, let's look at the last three years. I think he makes $30 million, $30 million, and $27 million those last three years when he's like 37 38 That's 39. less than Giancarlo Stanton exactly, pretty much like, by average. And, and, and let's project it out. I mean, it's 2023 right now. Five years from now, a guy, and, and maybe he'll, he will diminish by then, but still – for a team like the Dodgers or a team like the Red Sox, paying 27 on the back end for those last couple years makes the other years really worth it. So the sales money that, hasn't changed. Like, yeah, that's the thing. Like, his contract, and I know COVID played a role, and maybe he would have gotten 400 on the open market if there never was a pandemic. But even if you project out 12 years and 400 million by those last couple years, yeah, you're overpaying the guy, but it probably makes those first eight to 10 really worth it. KJ and Lions, WEEI, 617-779-7937, text line 37937, still to come catch a release. Let's go to Steve in Fall River. Uh, you're not crying over spilt milk with Mookie Betts. Go ahead, Steve. Are you telling me Mookie Betts is now playing second base for the Los Angeles Dodgers? He's playing multiple positions. He plays multiple. He, he played second and right second last night. He's not a center fielder? He plays How multiple he positions. Jackie Bradley Jr. was a center fielder when he was here. You told me he would finish in the top 10 in 2019. What exactly were his numbers? What was his batting average here in Boston? What is he doing now? The guy, okay. what no, is he no, doing now, Steve? Like, I'm, I'm just curious. So I, he I'm hit that curious. year. You that year, he hit 295 with 29 homers, 80 RBIs in 150 games. He was an all star, eighth in MVP voting, a gold glove, and a silver slugger. Great and season. Still a- <laughs> you remember the movie Risky Business? That's a movie. Guy. <laughs> okay, do you remember the movie Risky Business? Yes, Jack, with Tom Jared, Cruise. Whatever his name was. Yeah, Seth, Tom Cruise, Seth, Tom his, Cruise his father goes out of the house and he throws recruiter. a party. He, and, he, and the recruiter comes in and says, you got B numbers, blah, 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 pretty solid work. He's now, that ain't right Yale material. Right. No, Risky Business. That ain't, oh, that's when he's talking to the pit, yes. Yeah. yeah, that's not 12 years, 400 million, okay? It's not. And you guys are keep talking about, oh, throw away the last few years. If he's playing second base, let me direct you back to second base in Boston. Who had the 10-year contract at second base in recent Red Sox history? And let me know how that worked out for the Oh, team. okay, so Dustin Pedroia that Dustin won two yeah. World Series, an MVP, a Rookie of the Year. How yeah, that, I think that was that, pretty good. Stuff. We'll be in the conversation yeah, I, I think that was pretty yeah. good. And I think Mookie Betts... A guy yeah, that's an yeah, all-star every good. year. Every like, year. This is a, this is a problem is. we have, KJ. Like, there's yeah. a segment of Red Sox fans, and Steve, I do appreciate the call, but there's a segment of fans that like, oh, I don't want to pay anyone $300 million. I don't want to pay anyone $350 million. They I don't, don't want to pay Mookie Bits $300 million. That's what it this is. This is the reality. If you won't pay anybody over $250 or over $275, you're going to suck. It's just the reality of the market. And, and hey, are three hundred million dollar contracts a risk? Is Rafael Devers' contract a risk? Is is Mookie Betts' contract for the last couple of years probably going to end up being a risk and he'll decline? Yeah, but if you don't pay that money, you are not going to win championships. You're not going to contend for them. And you can look at every Red Sox team this century that has won a World Series. They've yes had farm system guys. They've all had at least one or two 
bigger ticket free agent or trade items. You can go back to 04 with Manny Ramirez and Kurt Schilling. Guys, they were aggressive and they had to get and cost a lot of money. 2018, you had Mookie, who we talked about, Bogarts, but you know what? You went out and got Chris Sale and he was a lot of money. Like, you have to have those guys. Craig Kimbrell was a lot of money as a closer in 2018 and I know he was inconsistent, but well, the point do, is, well, you, John, have you have to go out and get some pillar, of those guys. When you're one of the pillars of the league, you do these things, right? If you're trying to maintain Major League Baseball as a top of mind sport, you need one of your pillars of the sport to consistently be putting product out there that is going to compete for a championship for the greater of Major League Baseball. I mean, have they made 51st yeah, and, and, Dates Part look, 2 in Pittsburgh? And KJ, no. and, and I'm not I'm not one of those people that says you should be like the Mets and just spend a billion dollars every right, year. They're the like, second fiddle you, in their own town. Be, That's not the like, case here. Like, right. Look at the example of the Dodgers and the Astros, the teams you're playing right now. They well, do John, a great job drafting and developing, and pick, then they pay pick, guys on top let, of it. I know we got to go to break. The, yeah, we will pick it up after the break. We'll get to Steve and Cape Cod as well. 617-779-7937. Text line 3793-7. Talking about the return of Mookie Betts. But right now, it's time to trend with Brian Fazuko. Get Boston Sports Original on the go. Wherever you go. Just download the Odyssey app. We're right back to it. It's KJ Carson on WEEI. And he hits a line drive to right that's going to fall in front of Betts for a hit. They're going to hold the runner third, and now they have a problem as the second runner, Wong, the pitch runner, ran up the back of Casas, and they tag him out between second and third. Wong came in the pitch run from McGuire. He thought that Fabus was going to send the runner Casas around, but there was no chance. It was hit very hard and right at Mookie Betts. So Wong went way too far around second base. The throw got cut off by Freeman. He ran right at Wong and they retired him in a rundown. Sean McDonough, Sean McDonough almost went full Bob Euchre on that call last night here on WEEI. 617-779-7937. Text line 37937. That was the pivotal point of the game. Sox were on the verge of having second and third with one out, with two outs, uh, and a chance to potentially tie the game with just a basic base hit with Casas at third and Wong getting caught in between second and third. And Mookie Betts was right there to end the inning and the rally. Let's go to Steve in Cape Cod. Uh, Steve, thanks for calling KJ along with John Lyons. You're on the air. Yeah, yeah, thanks, KJ. Uh, you know, I think you make a lot of great points, and I, I want to say that I, I do really appreciate you. I, I listen to you a lot, man. I think you've got a good way about you, and just, like, thanks for doing what you do. Um, but Thank you. My, my point yeah, here is that I, I think it's a little bit of spilt milk on the on the Mookie thing. I, like, I feel you. Like, we missed an opportunity here to exercise some of the Boston demons with respect to, uh, you know, African-American baseball players. Definitely. It's definitely a loss. And it's definitely a loss as a player. But at the end of the day, you know, we got we to gotta win a ball game. And we, and we got to win, like, you know, 25 games over the next, I don't know, 35, you know, to, to win the playoff spot. So I, I'm more interested to hear, like, what do we do moving forward, and what did, what did we learn from this Mookie thing? Like, what does this mean moving forward? Because, I, I mean, we, we get it. Like, Mookie was a great loss. But at a certain point, it's like you're twisting a knife in a wound, man. I mean, yeah, you know. Well, Steve, thanks anyway, for the call. Yeah, absolutely. No, a totally fair call, John, and I'll say yeah. this. 
Mookie Betts won the game for the Dodgers last night against the Red Sox. And, and look, I think the thing, KJ, too, is like he asks, what do you do going forward? And I think, like I said before the break, you don't want to be the Mets spending you know, a billion dollars every offseason or something like that. What you want to do, and which I think they did for a while here, is you want to look at the Dodgers and the Astros. Like, why are they good every year? Because they built great farm systems that guys are able to come up, but they also, when needed, would be aggressive spending. Like the Dodgers have a ton of great prospects. They still use some of them to trade for a guy like Mookie Betts and extend him, right? Houston has great prospects, and they were able to let Carlos Correa go, but then they still use some guys to trade for Justin Verlander, right? So I think if you're going to be successful year in and year out, you don't have to have the number one payroll in the MLB every year. You probably have to have top five or six, but you have to have that balance of, oh, we have a great farm system and a great homegrown core, but we will supplement that with other great players. And I think we've seen it, like I said earlier, every time the Red Sox have won the World Series, that's essentially the model that they've had. They've had some great homegrown players and supplemented them with some bigger ticket free agency or trade items to put them over the top. And it's what the Dodgers and Astros do now. So to the caller's point, I think it's it, – to your, you're right. It's a fair call. I think going forward – they need to be a little bit more aggressive, and I think this offseason is going to be huge. Whether or not they make the playoffs, they need to have, because you're starting to see some of these, like Jaron Duran is playing well, Tristan Casas is starting to play better and better, and he might be a Rookie of the Year candidate. Yoshida looks like a good signing. Brian Bayo has had some good moments this year, but you're missing some of those other pieces, and I think this offseason is when you got to step up and be aggressive because we're now looking at, the third time in four years that they're kind of in the basement of that division, at least for most of the year, and I know this year's not over yet, but this is the offseason where I think you need to start supplementing that core with some of those bigger ticket items. So to address the caller, so from a financial perspective, look at it now, right? If you're still getting this quality of play out of Mookie Betts, and he's at 35, where yet you're going to hear numbers like 55 and 60 thrown around for Otani, Betts becomes a very valuable piece on your team. He's probably maybe your third or fourth highest paid player, probably just above Trevor Story, AAV, right? So you still are getting great value out of a player who is still showing greatness, right? So really you just bet wrong. And that wrong bet led to a series of events of more wrong bets. Now you can you might be able to argue that, hey, the Bogarts deal, you probably got out of it at the right time, but the problem is, you got nothing in return for it. So, again, look, the history is going to be what it is, right? And I'm never going to duck that. But at the same time, I'm also going to point out, just from a financial standpoint, if you thought $30 million was a lot of money then, $30 million is nothing now. But yet the guy is still giving you everything. And if you say, you know, how does the team move forward? They had a chance to move forward last night when Toronto's losing and Texas has lost eight straight you have a chance to start moving into this conversation for the wild card, but now what used to be, oh, Toronto. <laughs> we got to chase Toronto. Toronto's now chasing Toronto. It, Toronto's not a factor in this anymore. It's all about that AL West. And so, yes, if you want to know what it is moving forward, play as hard as you can. Hopefully it's kill the man with the ball when Houston and Seattle and Texas, because Seattle is now the top of the AL West. Right, They have literally gone past from behind the Red Sox to go lead their division, so now convince me that the Red Sox will be able to pass Texas and Houston. Yeah, we'll get it, to that in a second. Let's get to the second yeah. because we got a text line. Uh, Brian, 
37937, you got a couple of texts regarding this. Uh, texter from 978, Verdugo and Connor Wong are doing great and combined are 120th of the price of Mookie. Yeah, but are you getting that 20th <laughs> result? Yeah. And I right? think the other side of that, too, is like, and, and we don't need to spend the whole time relitigating this, but if right. you're going to trade a player like Mookie, you got to get back more than those two guys. Like, Verdugo's also a guy that's been benched twice this year, and there's been issues. Connor Wong is, I think, a solid catcher. Yeah. But if you walk away from trading a guy like that, and all you can say is, we got a few years of Verdugo and a solid catcher, Especially with all the pitching problems you have now and the pitching Plus, downs didn't work out in that deal. Exactly. Like Frankie that's, Cordero didn't that's work the other out. thing. Like, yeah, they're one twentieth of the cost or whatever it is, but they're also probably one twentieth <laughs> the production. You know, not quite, but and it's like I said, you also should have gotten more in that deal. And I think this is that stretch of the season, right? Because the headline this weekend, KJ, is okay, Mookie's back and we're gonna right. spend thirty minutes of the show talking about the Mookie trade, and rightfully so, but the other headline is this is the most precarious point of the Red Sox entire season. They just this played week. four in Houston. They just <laughs> played four week. in Houston and split three against the Dodgers and then three more against Houston. If they don't come out of that 10-game stretch with their head above water, they're probably going to miss the playoffs. Like They yeah, are but- in the most precarious moment of their entire – regardless of Mookie being back or not, this 10-game stretch is the most precarious stretch of their entire season. Yeah, but generational talents don't allow their teams to go bloop, 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 bloop consistently. Uh, one more text. Brian, what you got? Yeah, 603 texter. Unless Mookie truly expressed to management he wanted out, then they drop the ball, even if you accept their reasoning of wanting to lower the payroll. Yeah, okay, well, people had their say. All right, so this series, right? We would almost have to say, John, that today is a game that <laughs> it seems like last week we said the same thing. This is a must win because you can't find yourself losing two out of three to the Dodgers, and then getting ready for Houston to come back, where Houston, they're in an emergency situation as well. Yeah, and they came off a nice sweep of the Yankees. Because we talked last week right after they had lost two out of three to the Nationals. We were on right after the third game of that series, and things looked pretty bleak. And then they win three in a row against the Yankees, but then it felt like the first two games of that Houston series, it was like, oh, crap, we're playing a really good team now. And they got smoked, and they recovered. They won the last two games, but... I think you're right. Like you need to go on a stretch here where in these these 10 games against Houston and New York, I think you got to end up 6 and 4. You know, I'm not saying 7 and 3 would be good, but I think you got to at least come from that with a winning record because let's not forget they have 3 against KC after this Houston series coming up, but then they play the Rays, then they play Baltimore later in September, Toronto, Texas, Tampa and Baltimore get like they have the most difficult schedule for the rest of the season. Like they need to come out of this stretch. Like if they go four and six in this ten game stretch, I think that could be it on the playoffs run because you're so right. Like the AL West is dominant. Like Texas yep. is dominant, and they added Max Scherzer. Seattle traded their closer and has been one of the hottest teams in baseball since then. And of course, we know how good Houston is. That to me, that's a division. They're sending two teams to the playoffs, potentially three, but at least two. And then you got Toronto right there in front of you as well. Baltimore and Tampa fighting it out. Whichever one of them doesn't win the AL East is going to be in the playoffs. Like all of a sudden, you run out of spots. Like, and that's the issue. You need to come out of this ten-game stretch. I think six and four to keep yourself in the conversation. Well, the Red Sox are missing some opportunities that you just would never see. Tampa's lost. They're, they have a losing streak. Texas lost eight in a row. Mariners have only won one in a row, but they're nine and uh, nine into the last ten. Houston's lost three in a row. Blue Jays have lost three in a row. Red Sox lost last night. 
Yankees are really not in the conversation. So, yes, it was feel-good sweeping the Yankees, the arch rivals, but I think it revealed who the Yankees really are. They're just not in it. And so while sweeping the Yankees felt good, it's about what you do with the people ahead of you. So, yeah, we can – like I would, I'd still would cry over the spilled milk of Toronto. You beat them down so mercilessly – at the beginning of the season, and then in the three-game series right after the trade deadline, you just lay it down, and you've never caught up because you could be the Red Sox a game and a half behind Houston, right, or or possibly even tied with Houston, uh, getting towards that final wild-card spot, and, and you're not there. Now you're looking at three and a half out of that last wild-card spot, and you still have them coming to town. So while you say six and four, that sounds idealistic. They almost have to go on a Seattle-type run, win eight of ten. And the other so, thing, KJ, too, is like, and Red Sox fans this year, and I'm one of them, would you be surprised at all if the Red Sox went 7-3 and three or 8-2 and two in this stretch and then lost two out of three to KC right after it? I mean, that's been their MO this year. Like, they'll go on a stretch. Like, remember when they took you know two games in a row against Atlanta, including right. that comeback win, and that's we were right. like, oh, they have something here. Right. And They're then they lose three in a row team. before the, tra- the trade deadline. <laughs> like, it's tough. It's tough to really get on board with this team as a contender or a real playoff team because it they have not done a good job of stacking wins on top of each other. Like, they'll have a good series against the Yankees and get smoked the first two games against Houston. Then they win two against Houston and have some really boneheaded base running last night, which cost them the first game against the Dodgers. So it, it's something that they have not had that level of consistency this year, and it gives you pause to look at them and say, Oh, even if they get through this tough stretch, yeah. do I really feel great about them being a playoff team over the next month? KJ and Lions on WEEI, 617-779-7937. Text line 37937, still to come, catch and release. Plus, we'll talk about the Patriots in action last night. It wasn't pretty. Uh, we're talking about the Red Sox. And look, they've got a 12% chance to make the playoffs. But when you've got the rest of the series with the Dodgers, then Houston, as you make Kansas City, and then Tampa. So we're talking coming like, you're talking about playoff teams outside of Kansas City, all playoff teams until you get to New York again on Monday, September 11th. Yeah. And then Toronto after that. And you almost feel like by the time they get to Toronto, the middle of September, it could be a story that's too late for both of those teams. So I, I, I'm just wondering, like, this team has to actually show some type of power up, like a video game power up, really for the next 17 days or so to prove that they have it just to be in, in, the, in the running to be a wild-card team, and I just don't know how that happens because once you start depending on other teams for things to fall apart, and it's it's kind of happening now, like did you see Texas losing eight in a row and not only not losing the division lead to Houston, but losing it to Seattle. And if Seattle is coming from behind, it's like a horse race, right? It's like the horse that's in the absolute outside gate suddenly comes running from nowhere and takes the lead, and one of the horses that run past is the Red Sox. So I I don't know there are there chemistry issues, is it a talent thing, you know it's it's just been such a weird season, the relationship with Alex Cora, you know obviously the situation with Verdugo that just became this very loud incident, and then I think now with Mookie coming back, I'm not saying look it's not supposed to be a a cried over spilled milk of Mookie returning, but it's almost kind of like what what it might look with with week one. When the Patriots go out there against the Eagles and Tom Brady standing up in in in, in, the, in the rafters, so it, it's just very tough because at this point, this five year plan that was supposed to be in effect should be an efficient one, right? If you told me at this point the Red Sox would be wild card number two, I would say 
totally satisfied with where the direction of the team is. It's a playoff team. While it may not win its division, someone gets super hot. No one saw Baltimore coming the way they did. Why aren't you the second best team in the division, especially when the Yankees are in last? Yeah, and it's you talk about the plan. Like when Dave Dombrowski got fired, I disagreed with that. I thought it was a mistake. But when they hired Heim Bloom, I was excited because I thought he'll do what Andrew Friedman did with the Dodgers. You know, bring that raise model, but add money to it, and you'll be good every year. And in 2021, we saw a glimpse. They get to the ALCS, but for a market as big as Boston and a fan base as invested, and when I say invested, not just emotionally, but financially with the resources they have, I don't think you should be in last place two out of three years and third place in that third year out of four. Like that to me is really unacceptable. If the, Like that to me, you can have a plan to build up the farm system and still compete. We saw them do it in 2021 and yeah. get to the ALCS. Like So that's the frustrating part. Because like I said, when Bloom was hired, I thought, hey, he'll bring this Dodgers, you know, this raised Dodgers model to Boston and they'll be good. You know, every, you know, four out of every five years, there'll be a playoff team and maybe two of those years, a real World Series contender and we'll be in it just about every year. And I was excited for that because remember, before that, it had been really up and down. You know, they win the World Series in 2013. They finished last in last 14 place, and yep. 15. They win the World Series in 18. I think they last missed the playoffs right in 19. So yep. it had been inconsistent. And I was hoping, hey, we'll be consistently good and in it every year. And now we're on, what, year four, and we've been in it once. Yeah. And that's the frustrating part. Because a team, like, we're not the Royals. We're not the Pirates that you mentioned earlier. Team it with feels the Red like it Sox, sometimes. And, and that's the problem. A team with the resources of the Red Sox should not have a three-out-of-four-year stretch where they're struggling to be in fourth place in the AL East. Thanks for hanging out with us on this Saturday. W-E-E-I-K-J along with John Lyon, 617-779-7937, text line 37937. All right, coming in minutes, we'll talk Patriots plus catch or release. That's next here on W-E-E-I. Thanks for hanging out. From the Rubenstein Law Studios, 1-800-BOS-LEGAL. This is W-E-E-I, New England Sports Original. We're back. It's KJ Carson on WEEI. Download the Odyssey app and listen on demand anytime. This is the ultimate fight or flight song. Hot live. WEEI, good Saturday to you. 617-779-7937. Text line. 37937 KJ got my man John Lyons with me. Another form of should they stay or should they go? Catch and release coming in two minutes. John, you're running your first 5K tomorrow? Yeah, I am running my first 5K tomorrow at Barrel House Z in Weymouth. Great beer there, by the way. Uh, already kind of regretting it, KJ. But Why? Uh, There's I beer at the up. end, right? Yeah, well, if I make it to the end, yes. I, I don't <laughs> oh, that's know. That's the catch. You know, huh? that, that's, yeah, talk about catch and release. I mean, i got to <laughs> make it to the end before I catch one of those beers. So. More like retch and release. Yeah, yeah, we'll see. I mean, I'm, I'm kind of excited for it, but we'll uh That doesn't we'll sound good if you're kind of excited because you can't be kind of excited at, like, one point seven five k into the race, you know. Yeah, like, no kidding. I, I was thinking to myself, yeah, what if I get to two miles and I'm just like, yeah, and I'm not so excited anymore. So, so, so is it for a cause? How did you come? So about I'll, this? I'll be, I'll be honest with you. There's two reasons th- that I'm doing this. Oh, there's two. There's a problem. Yeah, with one, one and most importantly, it's to try to make my wife happy. So we'll see if that works out. <laughs> I can and tell and you maybe ways. I'll die in the process, and that'll make her no. happy. But the second part is just, I was like, you know what? I see people run these all the time, so I'm gonna give. <laughs> 
a shot, and I'm going to compete at one. And and see how I do. So wait, see, wait, wait, trying. Wait I've been if, working if out for. If someone jumps off the Zake and Bridge, you're going to do what they do. You because no, you've seen no. other people run. No, no. Five I, days it, look, a... KJ. You know when you spend <laughs> like seven years coaching college football, like I yes. did, you get this competitive like gene in you. And so I'm like, there's all right. I, I want to have an outlet and, and compete at something, and I've never done this before. So <laughs> uh, I'll give it a shot. Maybe I'll look back on it and say, you know, should have just got my wife dinner or a watch or something. I don't know, but we'll. We'll, we'll we'll see how it goes, but I'm uh, I'm excited, but also a little apprehensive about it. So on the text line, we'll do a little amateur odds making here. Over under two point five k, John makes. Okay, over 2. under two point well, so under. a five k is three point two miles. So two point five k would be like just over one and a half miles. So yeah, over under I, over yeah. under at three seven ninety three seven. Just because John is inspired by. Making his wife happy, and because he's seen other people do this, he's going to run his first 5K tomorrow. When you say you've seen other people do this, do you mean you've seen other people do this and you think, ah, that doesn't look so hard? I no, can no, 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 no. Like Trust me, not, not, no, no. I've just, oh, I, I, have been, I have been to races before, <laughs> and I have seen people 40 years older than me finish it, or, you know, not in nearly as good shape as Wait. me finish it. And I'm like, all right. So I know this is hard, but if they can do it, I could give it a shot and try. And you know what? Hey, if I make it to, you know, 1.5K, like you say, or or I and, and I'm toast, then, uh, you know, I'll have to no, own that. Two, no, no, no. 2.5K. See, I was trying to subtly switch yeah, the odds Yeah, no, already. the yeah, over-under yeah. at 37937. Just hit, oh, you just type O or U. Yeah. <laughs> sure, we're going to get under. a lot of U's. <laughs> a lot of U's coming in. A lot of U's. So I'm going to have right. to call you from, like, mile three tomorrow. No, don't Spec. call me. AJ, be, pick me I'm, up. Because I'm going to have my money going in the back. I'm taking a little bet. Oh, bet that's true. Yeah, I don't want to, like, mess with the house in the odds. Dude, struggling at 1.2. The biggest thing about gambling being legal in Massachusetts is not betting on on, you know, Christian Gonzalez to be rookie of the year. It's am I gonna go get the five K? Am I gonna go two and a half? Yeah, K? that's you know? a ten to one bet, and yeah. I would say that's a better bet the way it sounds about you running this. 5K. Yeah. <laughs> I know it's a, I and, believe and the in thing, you, KJ, though, we're scheduled to be on together next Saturday. So we'll know then if I made it. We'll know <laughs> just, that. Just make sure you get a clear bondsman that can I mean, pay out yeah, all those bets. Maybe on the I'll under. just like come into the studio on crutches or something. Yeah, don't do that. Yeah. Because I'm not gonna help you down these stairs. But thankfully right. there's an elevator. So so <laughs> yeah. I'll be all right. <laughs> Otherwise, it, yeah, you might, it, we might, have, it I might be remote next Saturday. <laughs> yeah, it might works. be a problem. All right, we're 10 minutes away from the Patriots of what happened last night, but now it's time to play catch and release. Hit it, Brian. Ah, the end of summer. Got to get one good fishing trip left in there. Brian is our executive Fishermen, as we decide whether to keep and catch or release. Go ahead, lead Fisherman Brian. All right, first question. Jalen Brown, if the Celtics fall short of the NBA Finals for a second year in a row or are eliminated earlier in the playoffs, Jalen wants to go, do you catch or release? Uh, If he wants to go, release him. Yeah, I think if he wants to go, like if he comes here and says, I'm out, then you you got to release. And let's think about next summer, KJ. Luka Doncic could be available next summer. Giannis yeah. could be available next summer. Like, because there's a lot of guys that you would not trade Jalen Brown for. Those are two guys. But you know what? I don't think it's going to come to that anyway, KJ. I think we'll be okay. All right, Captain Frazoko, next. All right, staying with the Celtics. Derek White. Celtics do not win a championship. 
Do you cut bait and trade Derek White with one year left on his deal? Reminder that Jalen Brown's Supermax money kicks in next year. So he still has one year left on his current contract for that Supermax kicks John? in. So I would keep him. I, I, I would I would catch him and I would keep him because I think, and we've talked about this before, one of the best things about the Chris Stapps Porzingis trade is Derek White's going to get more minutes. I think he's a piece that helps you win a championship, whether it's this year or further in the future. Aye, aye, co-captain. Keep that man. Reel him in because you get defense, you get scoring when you need it, and remember, Derek White is the reason why you felt that Marcus Smart was expendable, so... Derek White, certainly a catch. Next for Duco. And how how far are we taking the ship out to sea? Because I, I don't I don't want us to be going too far from Gloucester. Well, you gotta go deep. I mean, that's where all the fish are, right? You gotta that's go deep. Very true. You know what I mean? It's gotta be deep waters. All right, let's uh let's go to the ice here. Don Sweeney. The Bruins missed the playoffs. Is Don Sweeney still a catch or a cut bait and release? This may be controversial when I say this, but reel him in, Captain. Look, last year was supposed to be kind of the last ride for Bergeron. It turned out it was, right? The team overexcelled in what they were supposed to do. So you got more than you expected last year. Don't expect as much next year. So you still kind of rock with them. Yeah, I'm a catch as well. And and I've been critical of Don Sweeney many times over the years. I mean, that 2015 draft really just, you want to talk about sour grapes about something like earlier with Mookie? Oof. It would be nice to have Matt Barzal on this team. But I think last year he did everything he could, and the players on the ice and the coaching staff failed. And now it's going to take a couple years to build it back, and I think he deserves the opportunity to do that. All right, Captain Brian, you say that we're out here fishing in deep water. This sounds like very thin reel that we're reeling in. So uh, who's the next fish? All right, so we'll head to the diamond. Chris Sale, if he shows promise for the remaining stretch this year, the team calls next year and is willing to eat the rest of his salary, you keep the catch or release? John. Big release guy on this because <laughs> the issue to me is, and I was at Chris Sale's return to Fenway uh, a couple weeks ago on August 11th, and he looked great. He was in the mid-90s, and then his next start, he was in the low 90s. So the consistency and the injury issues I worry about, if someone's willing to eat all that money and it gives you that much flexibility and maybe you get a prospect or two back, even if mid-level, I think it's worth it. Yeah, the loaves are better than the fish in a biblical sense. Toss them back in. And they're willing to eat the rest of that salary? Look, if Chris Sale decides that he can become a middle relief guy, which I think that's where he is now, maybe you three to four strong innings, maybe he's worth someone that's trying to make a run late at the trade at the trade deadline next year and is willing to eat the remainder of the salary, I would definitely go that way. All right, Brian, what's next? All right, let's stick with the Sox here. Alex Verdugo, he has one year left on his contract and has been benched twice this season. Do you <laughs> cut bait and trade him this offseason? KJ's already laughing. Do you cut bait and trade him this offseason? Try and extend him to a lifeline. As my buddy DJ Flex in D.C. would say, get him in the water! Ugh! Yeah, if you start to become almost one of the bigger stories out of a dugout and 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 in and, and a managerial situation that's seeming to be weird, I, I don't know if that's even something that's part of your future. If you go after Otani and now it doesn't look like he's going to get all that money to also pitch, you're looking at Otani as potentially your next right fielder. Yeah, you cut bait. Yeah, I would cut bait as well, toss him back in the water. And look, my thing is, even take Otani out of it. You look at an, you have an outfield right now with Yoshida, Duran, Duvall, and Verdugo. Got an extra guy there, and I like Yoshida. You're keeping him. Duran's been your most exciting young player, and I think Duvall is a little bit more dependable than Verdugo. So I think Verdugo's the odd man out. 
All right, Brian, Captain, what's next? All right, let's finish it off with two Patriots. Matthew Judon, he's the Patriots' best player. He's over 30 years old with one year left on his deal. Do you catch and extend him this offseason or trade him and toss him in the water a year early, such as Richard Seymour? John? I would actually keep him for another year because I think having a pass rusher is really valuable. And who knows, you may lose Josh Uche as well because if he has another double-digit sack year, he's going to get a massive offer in free agency. So uh, I would keep Judon. I wouldn't give him anything crazy, nothing six or seven years, but a three-year extension for pretty big money, I I would do that. Yes, sir, matey John Lyons. Catch, reel, and hold tight and even take a photo of him because... Judon is one of those players that actively and willingly came to the Patriots. If you decide to let him go, what does that mean for other free agents that can make a difference on the defensive side of the ball? It's the strongest side for the Patriots. You got to catch him. All right, last one. All right, last one. Mac Jones. Jones matches his production from his rookie season. Do you catch his fifth-year option or release to draft another franchise quarterback? John. I I would catch at that point. His rookie season, I mean, November 28th, they beat the Titans in 2021, and after that game, he looked like he was the rookie of the year front runner. If you get that production matched after all the disasters of last year, that tells me he's more on the upswing, and I keep him around as my franchise quarterback. Mm, Give me my Swiss Army knife and release that fish. Because what you're saying is... He's no better than his rookie year. (laughs) The idea is if you can't be in the conversation with the Trevor Lawrence who came in with the same class as you or even a little bit better than what Daniel Jones has to offer, you probably can find that in the draft or get another free agent that's out there that can at least give you a threat with the passing game. And so there you have catch and release, the end of summer fishing. Here on WEEI, the second hour of KJ Carson with my man John Lyons next on WEEI.